Hi guys, you're listening to Irrepressible, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Ashley. I'm an entrepreneur, a content creator, and I have a background in styling where I've worked alongside some of the biggest names in Hollywood, like Ariana Grande and Melissa McCarthy. You're in the right place if you're looking for a realistic approach to life because we're about to have some eye-opening conversations on how to do so. So let's jump into today's conversation. Hi guys, welcome back to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley. If you're new here, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. If you're not new around here, there's a good chance you recognize today's guest, Dr. Shannon Ritchie. I'm so happy to have her back on the podcast. We did our first episode together almost exactly a year ago, and she has really helped me reframe my mindset around fitness. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I'm going to link it in the show notes because that episode, she really goes into the foundations of fitness and she busts a lot of myths around them. That episode is called Busting Myths Around Fitness and she does exactly that. So I'll link that in the show notes for you because it's a good listen. Today, we're going to go a little deeper. We're going to hit on some topics that we didn't touch on last time and at the end, we play a fun little round of true or false, which I found to be really fun. But Shannon is really changing the way the fitness industry is seen and should be seen. And it comes from her experience working as a physical therapist and what problems she chronically saw with patients. And she's kind of started asking herself questions and like, why is this happening? And what's the common thread here? And she's built an entire fitness platform called Evlo. It's great. And it's all centered around like having a happy, healthy body. And I find it fascinating. I grew up a ballet dancer and I was pretty much ingrained with the idea of if something hurts in your body, good, because the more it hurts, the more correct you're doing it. And it never occurred to me that like it hurts because my body isn't made to move in those ways or my body might be structured differently than yours or the next person's and what's easy for me might not be easy for you and vice versa and her whole approach to fitness is finding what works for your body because fitness should improve the health of your body and not wear it down so I have just a whole appreciation for what she does and she has some hot takes on the fitness industry and she's not afraid to say it and I love that about her so This episode, like I said, we talk about some new stuff, including like the idea around punishing yourself around food. Do you need to burn it off after a weekend of indulging? What happens if you're plateauing? Also, what happens if you're over-exercising? She talks about what's more effective if you have a consistent program with fitness or the intensity of it. Um, She gives advice on making fitness a lifestyle instead of just a random here and there thing. And then, like I said, we play true or false at the end, which was really fun. So I'm going to get right into this episode because it's fun. There's a lot of info and I think you'll love her. She is just so fun. So here's Shannon. I kind of want to jump in to some hot topics, things that I have been seeing lately And I feel like for some reason, it's even more lately that I've seen this. And I just, I know you, you're going to have an opinion on this and I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) Yay. Almost 
every Monday, I see somebody being like, I ate so terribly over the weekend. I'm going to spend hours in the gym. I got to burn off the pizza, the alcohol, the whatever. Mm. How do you feel Mm. about this approach? (laughs) Oh, oh my gosh. It's natural, right? Like it's, it seems, I mean, I have that inclination and I know better. I know from a physiological standpoint that 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 doesn't actually do anything. It's actually more harmful than it is good, but it's natural to be like, I need to punish myself and it's what we're conditioned to do. So first off, I just want to say that if anyone's doing that right now, you don't have to feel bad or guilty, but it's not productive. I would say every Monday I try to say in all of my class, my Monday classes, like we take an extra beat to like, let's just come back to ourselves. Let's ask ourselves truly what, what do we care about in our workouts and not just try to punish ourselves in our workouts. Um, so But from a physiological standpoint, let's talk about why that doesn't actually work. So so a lot of people will do that because they want to like burn calories um, and they want to burn off the extra calories that they ate. A lot of new research in the last couple of years has been showing that that actually isn't very effective. Like burning calories isn't as effective as we have been led to believe. So what happens is your body burns calories in your workouts and it keeps you, your body will keep you within this narrow window of calories that you burn per day. So what happens is if you burn more calories in your workouts, you'll actually burn less calories throughout your day. Your body will compensate by downregulating other systems like digestion, your immune system, um, uh, even like your mental health. This is why when people are over-exercising, their entire body declines. They get sick all the time. They start to have depression and anxiety. Um, they had digestive and gut issues. So this is why just trying to burn off what you ate over the weekend or drink or whatever isn't actually an effective method. And usually what it does is it associates and it kind of bastardizes your relationship with exercise. It shows like exercise is a punishment. Well, number one, I'm not allowed to eat and indulge and have a good weekend with friends and family. And if I do, then I've got to go punish myself. And so I think, so there's two kind of fold there is that it's the relationship with exercise that you have. And then also the fact that it doesn't, it's not actually effective from a calorie burning standpoint. Yeah. It makes total sense. So common, like it just like, that's what we want to do. Right. And I mean, I just had a weekend last weekend where I pretended like I was in college again. (laughs) And on Monday I was like, Oh my God, like dragging, you know, thinking that like, I kind of I had those thoughts again. I was like, do I need to like do some extra cardio this week? And I was like, nope, that's not what I need. I need to get back on track. Yeah, it makes total sense. Along those lines, and I know food and nutrition is not like where your expertise lies, but how much does what you eat affect the results that you're getting from your workouts? Because I'm assuming there's oh. a correlation in some way, right? Huge, like- huge correlation. Like if you, you can't just eat whatever you want and expect your workouts to do all the work for you. Um, so a couple of things, if weight loss is your goal. So if you want to lose fat, I shouldn't say weight loss. I should say fat loss. If you want to lose fat, um, that is primarily what you're eating. It's very little to do with what, how you're exercising. Now, you can, if you resistance train and gain muscle, it will make it easier for you to lose fat. 
Um, but nutrition, what you're eating, what you're putting in your mouth is the biggest piece as far as weight loss goes. I think people think that we hear like eat less, move more, and that's the recipe. Yes, but maybe, but that mean, or that like makes it seem like the two are equivocal, like exercising and eating are on the same plane and they're not at all. Eating is way, way more important for fat loss than exercising. Not to say that exercising isn't important, but they're just not equals. And then as far as like building muscle, you, what you're eating and how you're feeling your body is extremely important. If you think about it, you can't just like poof, build new tissue and bigger tissue out of nowhere, right? You have to have the correct building blocks that you're putting into your mouth. So enough protein, enough, you know, macronutrients, all of those things, again, not my expertise, but we have on our membership, we have a, a nutrition nutritionist who talks about this. Um, so yeah, if you, what you're eating is everything as far as like results, quote unquote, that you're going to see from your workouts. So, so for fat loss, that's what you do. And then for like maintenance, what if somebody's like, I just, I don't really have fitness goals. I just want to be healthy. Like how should they approach Mm. food? Mm. Oh, good question. That's, that's not often a question that I get (laughs) because (laughs) people are like, they like have goals, you know, what I think goals are great, but I think maintenance is like a beautiful place to be like, oh my gosh. And you just want to make sure that your body stays as healthy as possible. A couple of things as we age, as we get older, and I'm not just talking about, you know, people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, I'm talking about people in their 20s. It's important for us to at least maintain the muscle mass that we have, because as we age, as we get older, we start to lose muscle mass gradually. It happens very slowly over time. And it becomes a problem later in life, especially women that are in menopause. We want to go into menopause with as much muscle mass as we can. And that starts by developing it in your 20s and 30s Um, because it's a lot harder to gain muscle as you get older. So gaining muscle and maintaining muscle is going to be extremely important. So when we're talking about exercise just for general health, we want to at least maintain the muscle mass that we have. So resistance training. Um, and then as far as eating, again, you want to be eating enough fuel to be able to maintain. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm not sure the macronutrients that you would need. I'm sure you could like look easily look that up and calculate it based on body weight and everything. But I think like one thing that people do um, or the mistake that they make is they think that they need to like add a bunch of cardio for their heart health. Mm-hmm. And what we see is that if you're going to spend time doing anything, if maintenance and general health is your goal, I would spend time resistance training a few times a week. And then like maybe some gentle walks most days for cardiovascular health. And then if you want, you can add in like a couple of really brief hit sessions. Like I'm talking like 10 minute sessions where you're going hard and you're going max and just do that maybe one or two times a week. So I, that's kind of the suggestion I would have for people that want to maintain because again, what a lot of people do is they do too much cardio and then they get overuse injuries and they get, um, joint health injuries and then they're not able to work out. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of my biggest recommendation. I was all over the place. Did that help? (laughs) No, that totally answers it. And actually piggybacks onto what I was going to ask you next. I was going to use myself as an example. There was a period of time where I was doing cardio six days a week, weight lifting heavy. And it's like my body completely revolted against me. I was like swollen all the time. I was so tired. I felt like I was gaining weight. What is mm-hmm. actually happening? I'm assuming I was 
just way over exercising, but what is Mm -hmm. going on when you're getting the opposite of what Mm -hmm. you want? It could be a lot of different things. The first thing that comes to mind is a hormonal imbalance. Um, When you are overstressed and you're not getting the proper recovery and rest, you have a, a shifting of the scales in your body. Your body likes to be in homeostasis equilibrium. So equal-ish stress to equal-ish rest. Mm-hmm. Um, usually if you're trying to gain, you need like a tiny bit more stress than rest, whatever. But for the most part, we want it to be balanced. So when there's this big imbalance, your hormone production can um, get thrown off. Uh, namely, cortisol is one of the popular kind of stress hormones that we hear a lot, but it's an important one. And when you have too much high production of cortisol kind of chronically, because you're doing too much exercise, you're overstressing your body, your body doesn't have a chance to catch up. All of those things that you had described can start to go wrong in your body. So um, different processes will slow down. Again, you can have digestive issues. You can have, uh, you'll definitely have like fatigue issues. You'll feel uh, inflamed, like joint pain, Mm -hmm. things like that. And you can actually gain weight. Um, cause there's a correlation between cortisol and another hormone insulin and insulin is, uh, the, how can I explain this without getting too much into insulin? I have a podcast about it, but, um, <laughs> but basically it's, it's a hormonal thing. So you're overstressing your body, throwing out the homeostasis of your body and your body's basically rejecting, rejecting what you're doing and screaming for help. I mean, really mm-hmm. it's kind of a protective mechanism from your body. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I'm not the only person who's done that. I think it's very easy to go online and be like, what's a weightlifting program? What's this? What's that? And they're like, mm-hmm. you need 45 minutes of cardio and an hour at the weight machines and all of that. And it's like, mm-hmm. I see other mm-hmm. girls saying I feel worse than before I started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's so common. And part of it is because I think it's so common to like want to go to these cookie cutter programs that may work for some people. Um, most, most of the time, those people are men, like women are much, much different than men and we should train differently. And so we're looking at like, okay, I need to do this for an hour and I need to do this for 45 minutes instead of, I need to do a little bit of cardio to the point where I feel like, you know, my heart rate to a certain point or whatever. And I need to lift this weight to, so where my muscle feels fatigued, but we think that it's like time-based. We think we need to do X amount of time. We think we need to burn X amount of calories. We think we need to sweat X amount of whatever, (laughs) however much water out of our bodies. Um, But it's so much more about like, how is your body actually responding from what you're doing? Or are you just going through the motions? Mm -hmm. So in opposition to that, I also hear a lot about I've plateaued. Nothing's happening. What happens when you hit a plateau? Your body, when you hit a plateau, your body is no longer sensing that what you're doing is outside of the norm. So in order to progress, and you know, this is kind of with like everything in life, not just physically, but like mentally, like emotionally, everything, you need a little bit more than what your body is capable of in order to progress. So you want to kind of barely just kind of tip it just a little bit. Um, and you don't want to do, people make the mistake of just going way too hard and pushing their limits way too much. And then they end up getting injured and overuse injuries, but you just, you want to tease it a little bit, like get to your limit just, and just kind of tease that line 
Um, and what happens when you're plateauing is that you're not doing that enough. You're not pushing mm -hmm. past those limits enough. Um, there's a phenomenon called in resistance training, progressive overload, which means in order to gain more tissue and progress in your workouts, you have to slowly add a little bit more. So you add, you add some, it's hard for your body and then your body adapts and gets used to that. And then you have to add a little bit more and then your body adapts and gets used to that. So what happens with the plateau is that, um, your body has just been, gotten used to what you're doing. And so you just need to add a little bit more and you can add a little bit more, uh, by flexing your muscle harder, like physically connecting to your muscle harder, um, which is always the first thing I recommend. You can add a little bit more by adding a little bit more resistance, adding a little bit more weight, or you can add a little bit more volume. So you can do more another set or a few more reps. Basically, the rule of thumb is that you want to get close to failure with almost every set. So close to failure, failure means like you can't complete the rep, like your body just physically cannot complete the movement, that's failure. But if we, but studies show that you don't have to get all the way to that point in order to see results. So if you have maybe like three or four reps left before you're like, I could not complete that movement, that's about where you want to be in about every set. So that sometimes can help if people are like, oh, like I feel like I see why I'm plateauing now. It's because after every set, I feel like I could do 15, 20, 30 more reps. Mm. Um, so that means they need to add a little bit more. More weight. So if somebody's like, yes. I'm here, but I don't know, you just test it out. How much weight do you suggest somebody goes up? If you want five more pounds, is it like one more pound? It depends on the lift. Generally, I'll say for upper body, uh, go up like two or three pounds if you can. Okay. And then for lower body, you could probably go up three to five pounds, but do a little bit at a time. Again, I think people jump up way too quickly mm. and that's when they, their form gets, you know, compensated and that's when they get injured. So just a little bit at a time. And you generally can do a heavier weight with legs than with your upper body. I'm assuming for women. Yes. Yes. Um, legs are, you know, just a bigger muscle. And yeah. usually now that said, there are some exercises that you can use body weight for legs. And because of the mechanics of the movement, you don't need to add a lot of weight. So for instance, I do on my Instagram, um, I compare like two movements. You've probably seen this Erica is, um, yeah, like a squat <laughs> holding heavy weight and then like a step up using body weight. Well, the step up using body weight actually loaded the glute with a lot more force than a squat holding resistance. So it, it's like, do you need to hold a lot of resistance? Well, it just depends on the exercise you can. So don't discount like body weight or using like, like for instance, like for my legs, for my glutes, I use a 25 pound weight for my glutes, but I also use that same 25 pound weight for my chest. So it's, it just depends on the exercise, I guess. Yeah, that <laughs> Totally makes unsatisfying answer. No, it was totally satisfying. And okay, also, yeah. I know you talk so much about like, if something isn't working for you, if it's hurting somewhere, find a different exercise. Like for me, I feel pain in my low back. So I know there's certain exercises mm -hmm. that sometimes adding the weight is just not the way to go for me. Yes. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like this, back to the step up example. A step up is a great low back friendly exercise because you can get a lot of work to your glutes without the additional compression of holding a weight. So it's like, and that's what I think people don't realize. We think that we have to hold weights in order to build muscle. That's not true. It's just 
your it's just your body's relationship to gravity and just figuring out how you can manipulate your own limbs so that you're creating the most force as the most force you can just using your own body weight. Um, so yeah, like you don't like, especially like a lot of common exercises in the fitness industry aren't super back friendly, like squats, yeah. like what, what bothers your back? Um, squats, lunges, um, especially like a walking lunge, anything that kind of puts, I don't know how to describe this necessarily, but my back is like hinged forward. Hinges. Yeah. Yeah. A hin- yeah. Any trunk hinge. Yeah. And that's very common. And, and again, I think people think like, well, this is either something I'm just going to have to live with, or, you know, I'm going to have to go like get massages every week to mm-hmm. keep my body put together and then just go back to the gym and do more deadlifts and squats that are hurting me. Or you could just be like, or what if I just choose a different exercise that's still effective for my muscles, but doesn't hurt. It's like, mm-hmm. what? I can do that. It's like, people don't even realize they, they can do that. Well, I think because people see other people doing it and they're like, there's something wrong with me because yes. they're clearly not in pain and I'm like dying over here. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, it, you'll see on Instagram, like everyone, everyone that's like selling a fitness program is doing squats and deadlifts and Bulgarians mm-hmm. in all these exercises. And it's like, and yeah. And so you're like, what's wrong with me? Like why? But I will tell you that. I have talked to hundreds of people who those exercises just don't feel good on them for them. And so it's common. It's like, they probably feel good for some people, but it's just not going to feel good for everyone based on people's body proportions, based on how far they have to hinge over because of, you know, the um, proportions of their legs, things like that. So yeah, you don't, I, I, maybe I'm like the first person to give you permission, but you do not have to do exercises that, that don't feel good on your body. I mean, it makes sense where nobody's shaped the same. Nobody's built the same. You're right. Some people have long torsos. Some people have long legs. Exactly. It makes bones are physically shaped differently. It's just like, yeah, there's no cookie cutter. There's no cookie cutter and it doesn't have to be, you can still change things up and still see your muscles grow and progress. What's more important, how difficult the workout is or consistency over time? Oh, consistency for sure. I think like people think, people think that hard, like I talk about this, I did a whole podcast about this, like hard versus effective. Mm. I think people think hard means like I am, you know, about to throw up. Like basically they equate their, like what their gym, high school gym teacher told them they need to be doing in gym class or in their sport or whatever. That's what hard is. And hard isn't necessarily effective. So you can do a workout that, you know, gases you, but didn't necessarily target muscles with very much efficiency or, you know, wore down some joints and cause some joint inflammation that eventually will catch up to you over time. Mm -hmm. So hard doesn't necessarily mean efficient. I always say in your workouts, like look for muscular fatigue rather than just like overall systemic fatigue. So specific Mm. fatigue over systemic fatigue is what I always recommend. Um, So that's number one, but even then, so like, let's say you're doing, you're using that principle specific fatigue over systemic fatigue. Mm -hmm. You're going to have weeks because you're a human being where you're like, I am at 30% and I, there's no way I can give a hundred percent today. I'm just tired. I'm pissed off because my husband, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. 
um, you're going to have weeks like that. And so if you can just show up for yourself and just be like, I'm just going to give what I got and it's okay. Um, that is going to be so much more effective over a year span than only showing up when you feel hundred percent motivated, only showing up when you feel like you can give 110%. Um, gentle consistency is so much more effective than in, than what do, what do I say? I say this all the time. Gentle consistency is more effective than inconsistent intensity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did I say that right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of burning off food. People are like, well, I'll just go really hard like once a week and it's like my workout for the whole week. But um, you're taxing yes. your body and not really being effective with it. Exactly. And I, I always say like, if you're spreading yourself so thin in every single workout that you can't show up the next day and do a workout, mm. like that's not an effective strategy. Yeah. Um, like I always say like your workouts should not completely deplete you so much that the next day you feel all bro broken down and not able to show up. Mm -hmm. Um, not that you need to work out every single day to see results. You don't. In fact, I, re I recommend taking a couple recovery days where you just walk or do some gentle movement, but yeah, I think it's not, we need to get away from the all or nothing. And it's, I think the all or nothing mentality comes from like sports. We think that we need to work out like athletes do. We think that we need to work out like our high school teacher told us to work out. I mean, that's where we associated our first um, feelings of physicality and our beliefs about physicality and what fitness should be is like a lot of us is like high school sports. Well, different goals in high school sports, right? Well, the goals in high school sports were to win the game. Your goals now are to build a body that lasts your lifetime. So we just have to kind of be careful of what associations we're tying with exercise and, and try to intentionally rewire some of those things. That is such a good point. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, it occurred to me like a few years ago and I was like, whoa, like, because we think like, uh, yeah, we just have our high school, high school coat. Yeah. I mean, our brains are not formed when we're in high school. Like yeah. they're still developing when we're in high school. So they're very malleable. And a lot of like what happened in high school just sticks with us our whole lives. Yeah, it's so true. So then what would you say to somebody to give them advice on making this a lifestyle and not a let's win the game this weekend mentality? Yes. Um, Gentle consistency is like really my mantra recently. I just think if you are able to show up, you know, however many days a week you've decided on, two, three, four, five days a week, whatever it is, show up, gentle consistency, ease in. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Fatigue your muscles. Look for muscle fatigue, not overall fatigue. We don't care about sweating. We don't care about calories. We care about how your muscles are, are feeling and burning. Um, and I think if you do that every single week for an entire year, you will have no choice but to change and be an evolved version of yourself this time next year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. I have a few, well, a handful of true or false myths that I feel like people okay. get caught up in. So I want to just hit you with a bunch of them and get your thoughts. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. You must always stretch before and after a workout. Mm. <laughs> false. <laughs> I think false, especially before there's, 
some conflicting evidence about this, but there okay. is evidence that says that stretching could temporarily decrease muscle output. So if there's the chance that you could be quote unquote weaker temporarily after you stretch, that's not what you want before your workouts, right? You want your mm -hmm. muscles to be firing and, and, and stable. So definitely not before your workouts um, is my opinion. Again, there's probably people yeah. that think differently. After your workouts, again, my opinion is uh, active mobility. So like move your body um, just in ways that feel good. Use some breath work, things like that. Stretching is like a whole nother thing that we could get into, <laughs> but I think I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Not totally necessary. Okay. Next the no pain, no gain mentality. You should push through pain because it will make you stronger. False. False. Physical or joint pain. We definitely don't need that. Mm -hmm. Like there is no need. There is no reason why we should be pushing through joint pain. Now, as far as like muscle fatigue and muscle burning, yeah, you can push through a little bit of that, but that feels good. That feels satisfying. You know, that's not like, get me out of this panic. Like that's like, Ooh, yeah. Like that burns so good. Um, so I'd say false. What about the type of like, you touched on this a minute ago where like, I'm going to throw up because it was so much. If you're doing that, if you're doing hit, like where you're getting to max intensity, only sprinkles of that into your routine okay. because you're, it'll overstress your body and you'll backtrack. So, um, you know, twice a week max for like 10 minutes, max 10, 15, 20 minutes. Cardio is the most important type of exercise for weight loss. False cardio has very little to do with weight loss. Weight loss is primarily nutrition. And then, you know, if you're in it for the long haul, building muscle will help with your insulin sensitivity and um, help uh, improve your ability to use fat as fuel. You can target specific areas in your body to spot reduce. False that I know of, okay. but I will say there. I've seen some interesting studies popping up that say that there might actually be some validity to this. So I don't know, but I'm going to say for now, it seems like the most convincing evidence is false. Okay. But if I, if I learn something new that seems convincing of the other way around, I'll make sure to let everybody know. Yeah. Let me know. I'll, I'll pass it on. But I think overall, let me just touch on that one more time yeah. or one more thing. Overall, like fat loss happens systemically across your whole body with nutrition changes. So like, you're not just going to do more crunches and have like a, a stomach with less fat on it. Even though it's, some people hold weight differently, like some people when they gain weight, it is in their stomach or it's in their legs. It will still mm -hmm. be overall full body. Yeah. So you'll lose weight. You'll lose fat in the places that you lose fat for like the easiest. It just, mm. it's like a hormonal thing. Um, for a lot of women, they'll hold fat, like at the back of their arms and in their thighs. And that's just, you know, estrogen. So, um, yeah, some people, some people are just going to have areas that are more stubborn than others. And that's going to be primarily nutrition. And also it's okay to have some areas where you're not like rail thin, like yeah. God forbid we have some thighs with like some fat on it. Like also like women have to have a higher percentage body fat just to like have, yes. like regulate their body. Exactly. Exactly. Like we should not, we should not be looking like men with, you know, 15% body fat. Like, yeah, 
I mean, yeah. For women, when you are on your period, you shouldn't work out. Um, I'm going to say false because if you feel, if you feel good, like do it, you know, there's no danger to working out when you're on your period, but a lot of women will not feel like it or feel like they have a lot less energy, in which case you could do something more gentle or go on a walk or meditate or do yoga instead of doing like a crazy hit class. Totally. We need 10,000 steps a day on top of a workout. False. Okay. Um, the 10,000 10, steps a day comes from marketing. Um, back in the, I think it was like in the seventies, I'm probably getting this decade wrong. They were marketing like a pedometer, like a step counter. And that it was like, get your 10,000 steps a day. That's literally where that came from. It came from a business trying to sell a device. So it's not from science at all. It's just marketing, which is so fascinating that we've like latched onto that as being super important. Um, but studies show that much, much fewer steps a day are, are still beneficial. So I think, again, I feel like I'm going to get this number wrong, but I want to say it's, it's like 4,000 steps a day is almost equally as important or equally as beneficial as 10,000 steps a day. So you can get far, far fewer and still see the benefits. That's amazing. That's like, yeah. I mean, 10,000 steps is like six miles or something. I feel like, like who has time to walk that much every day? No one, no one. I know. Exactly. And then, right. And then people end up getting nothing because they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to do the 10,000 steps. So I might as well do nothing. It's like, no, even yeah. if you get a thousand, like anything is better than nothing. Yeah. Just so you're not sitting all day. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's best to exercise first thing in the morning. Um, Hmm. You know, I think true and false. I think it's it's highly dependent on how, when you feel like you have the most energy, when you feel like you have the most muscle activation. Cortisol, which is our stress hormone, is is cyclical, so it's higher in the morning and it's lower at night, or at least like that's how it should be. It follows mm-hmm. the sun, and so um, you might have more energy earlier in the morning and be able to put more into your workout in the morning. But, uh, for me personally, I mean, I do work out in the morning cause that's when I teach and I yeah. only, that's the only time I work out is when I teach. But for me, mid afternoon is the best time. That's when I feel like I can give the most of me. So I think that, I think that it can be really anytime you feel like it's best for you. Okay. You burn more calories if you work out on an empty stomach. I'm going to say false. I'm thinking about like available glycogen and stuff. I'm going to say false. Yeah. Okay. I don't think that's true. I don't think it matters. And then it's always better to stick to one program. As long as you have structure and as long as your workouts aren't like conflicting with one another. So like, for instance, a lot of people will do my program and they'll want to also do different workouts, which is fine. But the problem is, is like, let's say Monday we're doing legs and head blow. And then Tuesday you go and do a Pilates class and it's all glutes and it's all mm-hmm. legs. Well, you know, those two classes conflict with each other when really you should be recovering your legs on Tuesday. So as long as there's structure, I'm good with mixing it up and honestly just doing what you feel like feels effective and, and sustainable and fun for you. Okay. I wanted to end on something not totally fitness related, but it is fitness related. I would love for okay. you to talk about your journey in growing Evlo because I've seen your growth over the past year. And I know you've been working on it since before then, but 
you now have teachers teaching, you've done teacher training, you have merchandise. Like what has that process been like for you? Because it is no easy feat getting a business off the ground. Oh my gosh. I love talking about business. I think it's so fun. Um, gosh, I would say the overall thing that I've really had to do is, uh, be okay with failing. Like I, I, what I do each quarter is I write down 25 things that I'm going to fail at. So I'm going to try it and I'm going to fail at it. And, um, most of them I, I try and I fail or, or they're failures. And I always learn something from that. And I always take that and I'm like, okay, now I know next quarter I'm going to do it this way mm-hmm. or um, whatever. And then it almost like celebrates the failures because you're going to have, if you are running a business, you're going to fail a lot and you have to get kind of get over yourself and get over the fact that like, <laughs> that it's going to feel good all the time because owning a business feels not good a lot of the time. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like ultimately what got me here and just acting before I was ready, like getting it out the door, just like B plus out the door, not waiting for my work to be a plus. But then like what I've been dealing with recently, which is kind of, you know, I don't talk about like on my socials or anything, but you know, as you grow a business, I thought I was like, I'm doing this like awesome thing that people are, that hopefully are going to help people and I'm doing my best. Well, not everyone feels that way about you. Like a lot of people, I've gotten a lot of criticism as we've grown and that wasn't something that I, I don't know, naively, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Like I wasn't expecting people to just write whatever they want about me and message me all these like mean things and like comment all these mean things on my posts. Mm. And so that has been, that has shaken me up, shaken me up a little bit the past few months. And I've had to like stop reading the comments. And then I also have to like get a little tougher skin and know that like the person saying that to me, it's something's going on with them, you know, for them to say something mean like that just to a stranger who's trying to help people. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, I think I feel like I'm babbling now, but it's been fun. It's been fun. I'm making it sound like it's horrible. No, oh my God. It's so much fun. It's, I would never do anything else, but No, I appreciate you saying that because I think a lot of people are like, yeah, it's great having a business and they don't point out the days that like nothing's working or like you're just sitting in front of your computer by yourself all day or you do get a mean comment or like it's really not as glamorous as people make it out to be to like run your own business. No, it's not. And they only see the end product. And like, they're not saying like for today, for instance, like I've had meetings literally all day with lawyers and accountants. Like that's not fun. Like, come on. So, but it's like part of owning a business is like, you just, you gotta be legal and you gotta have your accounting and you gotta have your numbers in order. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not as glamorous as it seems. And I think it's important for people to know that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking to us about all this today. I feel like it's so nice to talk to you because you really give a no bullshit approach to fitness and you're like, (laughs) you're literally being lied to stop doing that. And I just appreciate that. Like, I appreciate that you have no fluff to. Well, thank you for saying that. Cause sometimes I just feel like I'm tripping over my words all the time. So (laughs) I appreciate it. 
No, it's so helpful. Um, can you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can join the membership, all the things you want them to know? Yes. Um, EvloFitness.com, E-V-L-O Fitness. That's our platform. There's a 14-day trial, so you can get in there and just try it if you want. Uh, and then my Instagram is Dr. Shannon DPT. And then I also have a podcast. It's called Fit Body Happy Joints, where we talk about lots of, lots of the stuff that we touched on today in more detail. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you for having me. If you loved this episode, please let me know. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share it on your Instagram stories and with your friends. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Erica Ashley and at Irrepressible the Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and I will see you next week.